Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Our scripture reading today is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, which say, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The whole point of the Christian life is to be connected with Christ. And we do that by confessing our sins, by allowing Him to be the Lord of our lives and be submissive to His will. And as we do these things, we not only walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is energizing us to give us thoughts about Christ and also give us wisdom and guidance and direction. And as we walk in them, we make a tremendous impact and influence on those around about us and we do the will of God, what a great privilege it is to serve a risen Savior who empowers us to do His work and to do His will. Today in our studio, we have Dennis Campbell, who is our director of development. We have just had three teams go to Sierra Leone, and, and Dennis was the leader of one of the largest teams that we sent over there. One of the most exciting stories was the village of Mufindu. Mufindu is particularly close to my heart because there's a Muslim man there that I had the privilege of working with and actually ordaining him as a pastor of the gospel. And what we found out is that this this young man in this village was a qualified teacher and had been run out of the village because of his profession of the Christian faith. But after this man became uh, ordained, he had a heart to return to the village. And he returned to that village, and he had about 50 people that were meeting in this small uh, mud hut 
that we, as you recall, we had to almost bend down to get inside of, and it was amazing. But in this village of over 500 people, he had 50 converts that they were meeting on a regular basis. At the same time, we saw that this village was in real dire straits regarding water and drinking water. It was hand-dug wells that were open, and there was contamination issues and much sickness in this village. And we prayed with this man and, and told him that we were going to try to solve the water problem. And when we revisited this site, after we'd put a well in the site, the same Muslim chiefs that persecuted this man were so overwhelmed by the care and that these Christians that came that would help his village that the same chief and the leadership cleared out land above where this old mud hut was for the construction of what is now a nice church building to be built. They've actually started the construction while we were there. But one of the most powerful scenes was going to that dedication and seeing that old mud hut had been torn down and where the pulpit once stood, there was now a well. And I just was so touched that day, Brian, as I saw you have a chance to give the gospel at that dedication to the whole village turned out. And I remember as the end of the sermon went, just then it came time for worship at the local Muslim mosque. And as the wails began in the background of the call to worship, the whole village was surrounded around this old church site, but none moved. Even when the imam came out to try to drive the children back, they would run away, then they would come back. And the village stood there at that site around that well as you talked about the living water. And as you came to the end and you gave that opportunity for prayer, we saw the entire village pray that prayer and stay there and not return to the mosque that day and pray the prayer. And it was truly an amazing time, and God was with us and at that place, and that well became blessed that day, and we now see great growth going on for Christ in that village. What was interesting was that same day, later that day, we visited another site where there had not been a well, but just a group of Christians who had seen our trucks driving down the road and invited us in for Bible study, that we saw the repeat happen again, that later on in the evening as the sun was setting in the village, the village was gathered around to visit with us that came to visit. And it was interesting because one of, through one of the interpreters of the chief, they said, no one has ever come to this village and told us about this Jesus. We want to know more. And you again had an opportunity to share the gospel. And again, we had large groups of people that prayed the prayer that day. And in this last trip, this January, we dedicated the well in that village. It was so impressed as as soon as we finished the well, the chiefs came around, cleared the land, and literally within one night, the men of the village hacked out of the jungle an open area, used bamboo. And on Sunday, I had the privilege to preach in that village. And we had over 35 believers coming with their Bibles and singing and praising. And it was just a wonderful time. And it just becomes such an encouragement to the Christians that are there to see brothers in Christ from North America coming and supporting them. And it's just a great testimony to Christianity and gives glory to God to these Muslims when they see the love of Christ being demonstrated in such a real and practical way. Yes, Cyril Yulon is really an exciting ministry for Global Outreach Mission. I've been so blessed by going over there, and it's amazing. These people are so poor that if you just bring anything that can help their life to make their life just a little bit easier, how open they are to the gospel of Christ, it's a real blessing. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. 
and for your prayer and financial support over the years. This is new year and we're trusting the Lord that he'll be able to meet our needs and to help us. And we trust that many of you will remember us in, in your will so that we can continue this broadcast into the future. This month we're offering a booklet entitled Spiritual Gifts. It's a tremendous booklet in that it uh, sort of talks about the different gifts. It actually uh, tells you where the gifts are found. It tells you, um, gives you a description of, of what the gifts are. And I find it to be quite, a, quite an exciting uh, little booklet to, uh, for those of us who have been serving for many years to just refresh and to think about how God has used us and the different gifts that we may have to be used e even into the future. But it's a good handy booklet to um, understand spiritual gifts across the whole New Testament. And it's a great blessing and a great encouragement. To um, get your copy of Spiritual Gifts, write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 2022 to his missionary team at the head office. It seems like the Lord has really uh, led me to into how God went to great extent to make the Christmas story happen. The, the management and the, and the background and, and the use of angels to me just overwhelmed it, the management and how precise things are and how everything had to fit in place and it had how one thing happened and then another and another and everything had to happen in order for his son to become a babe in a manger. I really just can't get over that and um, 
there's actually only two angels that are actually named in, in Scripture, and one is Gabriel, which shows up all over the Christmas story, and, and Michael, who is the one that protects and, uh, and watches over Israel. And Gabriel, uh, you know, was sent 700 years before Daniel, and in chapters 8, he shows up and makes a great prophecy about the Antichrist. In chapter 9, he actually gives a timeline for the Jewish nation and, and history, and we're still part of that, that same timeline because we're still waiting for that last seven years. So Daniel was really an important person uh, to, to give prophecy, and, da- and Gabriel's the one that gave him the wisdom to be able to write those down. And Daniel was so shaken by those prophecies when he was given to them by Gabriel that he, he was overwhelmed. He couldn't go to work because of the emotional uh, drain that took on him. But Gabriel starts showing up in the New Testament, and God's sending him here, there, and everywhere. In the first place you see him, he, he's sent to declare the, the miraculous birth of Christ's forerunner, John the Baptist. And that's in, John, uh, that's in Luke 11, where it says this, Then an angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord is going to be named as Gabriel later, but we, so we know it's Gabriel. Then, a, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is Zechariah, who's actually uh, been chosen by Lot to go into the temple and actually uh, do the incense on the incense burner. Uh, that had to be done twice a day. And the, the priests had to come back for a week of ministry every year. And when they would come back for that week of ministry, they would cast lots to who had the privilege of actually going into the holy place and actually preparing the incense. And there have been some priests who have never had this privilege or this opportunity to go in. And uh, the lot came to Zechariah, and so he's in there. And while he's in there doing his work around the incense altar, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I guess he would. Fear <laughs> to see an angel... It's quite an, every time you see an angel in the scripture or you see um, theophany, uh, the people were all fearful and uh, down on their hands and knees with their head almost in the dirt. But here you have verse uh, 13, which says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth hath bear a, you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so here we have this long prop long prayer between him and his wife. Uh, of course, in that culture, Elizabeth, his wife, was barren and couldn't have a child. And of course, that was a big no-no. And the, those ladies were looked down on and they, the families looked down on something evil or something that God didn't bless. And so it was quite a deal for a lady, especially not to have a child. And of course, you go through the Bible and you see all the ladies that, that couldn't have children until they had a miraculous thing, why you, you can see the uh, the heartache that they had. Hannah's one, and you have uh, Rachel and uh, others. And so here's Elizabeth, and of course this was great news for Zechariah. And it talks about, uh, then he goes and talks about the son that's going to be born and, and describes what, what uh, John the Baptist is going to do. And uh, through the next couple of verses, you can you can see that. But you see... The, the prophecy was in the Old Testament that there would be a forerunner. And so God had to produce the forerunner, and the forerunner was going to be John the Baptist. And, of course, he had a miraculous ver- uh, birth. In verse 19 it says, 
And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. So here this angel of the Lord is actually naming himself as Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Now listen to this. He stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you the glad tidings. And so here we have Gabriel who is in the very presence of God in heaven. And he's the one that's sent. He was already sent to Daniel. Now he's sent to John the Baptist. And um, angels, the, the word angel actually means messenger or one who is sent. And so God is sending these angels around and giving them orders and they're carrying out these orders and it's, they're doing his will. And so we have the miraculous birth of the forerunner. And then Gabriel is sent to the Virgin Mary to announce Christ's birth. It says this, now in the sixth month, it's the sixth month of um, the conception of John the Baptist in uh, the womb of, of Elizabeth. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. Here we have this idea of Gabriel being sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So here we come into a specific person. There are a lot of Josephs around, but he was sent specifically to Joseph of the house of David in Nazareth. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And so shows up unexpectedly at uh, Mary's door and gives this great proclamation. And of course, uh, verse 29 says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever of his kingdom. There will be no end. So this is quite a prophecy about the Lord Jesus. We see here that uh, he's going to be of the line of David, and of course the Old Testament, he was prophesied to be out of the lineage of David, and that he would reign over the Jewish people of his kingdom there will be no end and so this could be none other than the messiah so basically what gabriel was telling mary was that she was going to be the mother of the messiah she was going to be the mother of the lord jesus christ then mary said to the angel how can this be since i do not know a man and the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also, that Holy Spirit, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and is now with the sixth month for her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So here the point is to Mary. Yes, the Holy Spirit is going to be the Father, uh, there's going to be a, a miraculous conception. What's amazing to me about this is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the God-man, but at conception, that first spark of life, he's still God, and he's still human, a human baby in the womb. He's God from the moment of conception. And just think of that, because I think that's really important. 
and we'll get to that a little bit later. And so we see the, the Virgin Mary has, has conceived, and then she goes to Mary's house. And here's what's exciting to me about this. If, just let me read the scripture, and then I'll, I'll make a comment on it. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it says this, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, in other words, when Mary showed up at her doorstep, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that, a, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. So here you have the Lord Jesus Christ, who's six months younger in the womb of Mary, and John the Baptist is now in his sixth month along, and the Holy Spirit is using John the Baptist to leap for joy, and then speaking through Elizabeth, the mother. What a miraculous miracle that is. When you think about all the things that are happening here, and all the things that God's producing in the life of the Lord Jesus as being conceived, and as uh, the forerunners coming, and uh, that prophecy is being fulfilled. And then the next time we see Gabriel, I believe we, we see him as he shows up for uh, Joseph because when Mary comes back from visiting Elizabeth, she goes home and there's, there's uh, her fiancé, or her, the one she's betrothed to. And um, uh, now she's in her, uh, you know, she started her fourth month and uh, she's probably starting to show and she probably has to tell him at this point that uh, she's with child. And of course... Um, Joseph, being a righteous man, wants to uh, put her away privately and divorce her because he, he doesn't want the shame that marrying a, a pregnant woman would, would bring on him and upon his own family and his own uh, prospects for the future, actually. And uh, as he was contemplating these things, the angel Lord shows up and, uh, and uh, tells him to marry Mary because uh, what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and he will save his people save all people from their sin and Joseph being a righteous man uh, decided to do that and then also we see the angel Lord directing them through dreams he, he uh, moved the family to Egypt moved them back to Nazareth and those kinds of things and so uh, the angels and, and dreams were very important in that and the next uh, big thing that happens that's sort of important in this process is we have good old Caesar Augustus, who's the emperor of the entire world. He's ruled the whole world. He makes a decree that we're going to take a census, and so everyone has to go back to their historical city, and that's the city of David. And of course, David was born in Bethlehem. So Joseph and Mary have to travel there. So God gets Jesus to the place where it's been prophesied that he's going to be born through Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And so uh, Jesus is born there. And um, then the, the birth is really uh, sort of exciting. Mary, uh, there's no room in the inn, and Mary's in a, some kind of a stable set situation, and she, she bears uh, Jesus and uh, has to wrap him up, and, and it says in the Greek, really bound him tightly in swaddling clothes and uh, put him in a manger. And it's really interesting. I saw, I saw a really good friend of mine there sent me an email and here they found uh, this trough that um, what they would do is a stone trough it was a solid stone trough 
And what they would do on the hills of Bethlehem is where all the uh, sacrificial animals came from that they sacrificed in the temple because they're only about six months away and all those shepherds, be all those uh, hills and things. And um, what they would do is if they found an, an animal that was born perfect without any defects, uh, they evidently wrapped these lambs up in a really tight wrap swaddling clothes and would put them in this stone manger and um, until they would get a certain age uh, because they didn't want them to to damage themselves and they didn't want any harm coming to them and so they were protecting them in this this stone stone manger and it was a picture of it there and i i believe personally that that uh, christ was actually born in a in a cave because if you go to bethlehem there are caves all around where they keep animals and in those places you go in and they're stinky because I've been in them. I've been in two different ones. Um, they're both the same. They're big hollowed out places where all the animals are. But there's a uh, there's like a platform hewn out of stone. And um, the mangers would be up there because they, they would feed them and they'd have to come and, and, um, and eat out of the, the manger. And then the shepherds would sleep up on that plateau, which was a lot cleaner and away from the animals a little bit. And I believe that maybe that it could have been a stone manger and maybe uh, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes like they would the, the lambs, uh, the perfect lambs. Now think about that. Je Jesus was a perfect lamb of God and he's wrapped up like the, the sacrificial lambs were wrapped up to protect, uh, to go to the sacrifice. And of course, that was the purpose of Jesus to, to be born and go and, and die for our sins. And so Jesus was in a manger then it's interesting, right after that, you see um, angel Lord coming to the shepherds and making that great declaration. In verse 8, eight, we have this wonderful story. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord, probably Gabriel, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, a Savior, save his people from their sins. And this will be a sign to you. Now listen to this. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger it's sort of exciting to, to read those words and so we have the angel uh telling the the shepherds this wonderful thing and then suddenly in verse 13 there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men peace goodwill towards men the idea of peace there is not that there's going to be peace on earth, but there will be peace in, in the righteous life. Those who believe in Christ, those who receive him as their Lord and Savior, there's peace in their life in spite of an unpeaceful world. It's peace on earth to those whom God has chosen. So the, at, what do the, the shepherds do? Um, the shepherds go and visit the Christ child, and uh, then they come out and they become the first evangelists for Christ. And so that's, that's a Christmas story. And I sort of like reading through it and I wanted to read through it and I thought this was a good way to do it.
I trust that the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you throughout this next week as you contemplate some of the truths that have been presented to you. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're concerned about people growing in their faith and being discipled through the messages and uh, the programs that we present, but also we're concerned about those who may be listening to our broadcast who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And of course, this is a new year and to be a new start if you would ask Jesus to come into your heart if you don't already have that relationship with him. And the scriptures are very clear about what needs to happen. First of all, God says that he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is eternal life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Lord Jesus is the one that did the work on the cross. He's the Savior. He paid your penalty for your sins, and he rose on the third day, and your sins can be forgiven if you ask him to come into your life. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And as you grow closer to God, God uses you to bigger and greater extent. That's what the scripture promises. Remember to order your copy of Spiritual Gifts. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7. Or in the U.S. at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Of course, you can hear past broadcasts on our website at www.missiongo, that's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot org. Pray for us. Really would love for you to write in and get this book on spiritual gifts. May the Lord bless you throughout this next week.